Well, I want to get into a, 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 a message today. I would call it a message. Um, as, as I just begin to talk, as we're getting ready to come into this Easter weekend and, and celebrating everything that Jesus did for us, um, I, I think it's important that we understand a little bit fuller what his actions were in the sense of what did it really do for us. Years ago, my dad found an old family picture. Do you enjoy going through family pictures? Do you understand? You sit down and look at As a kid, that got on my nerves. The older I get, I think it's really cool. Like, see all those goofy hairstyles? Yeah, right? Oh, and that's old Uncle Bob's sister's brother's cousin's nephew. That's who that is. And you're like, yeah, I don't really care. I, I don't give a rip. You know, that's it. Uh, but, but anyway, it's kind of cool to look at that. Well, my dad found a picture of his dad's family. There was eight in that family, and they went from, and they were all kids. They were all, the adults, all the way down to little guys because, you know, back in the day, you would have 47 children per family, right? And so they had them stair-stepped, and they were standing up against a barn, and at the end of the picture was a barrel, and the family dog was sitting on the barrel. I mean, they were all in the picture together. And the picture was old and kind of beat up, and my dad found that it was his dad's dad. He was one of the little guys in there, and my dad took it and was able to take that picture. It began to fade, and it was kind of getting crusty. The details had began to leave it. It was yellowing. He took it to some people so that they could work on it, and they actually got the picture restored, and, and then dad had it blown up and put in a frame. Really, really neat, really neat uh, family heirloom, family picture. Uh, but, but time, time had made it begin to fade a little bit, it just began to yellow, it lost its edge, its crispness, the detail was disappearing. And, and the same thing happens with salvation. The same thing I've noticed, I've been serving Jesus for a long time, I'm 53, and I remember praying a prayer of salvation that mom and dad reminded me over and over. When I was five years old, I accepted Jesus to the ability that I understood at that time. Raised in the church all my life, I'm more churchy than Noah was Archie. Uh, that, that's just kind of how I rolled. My dad was my pastor, uh, so I got spanked by my pastor quite often. That wasn't fun, and uh, so you just kind of roll that. But, but salvation and, and what it means, as you accept Christ and begin to serve him, it's very interesting how the edges and details can begin to blur. What does it mean? I mean, Really? Like when you first got saved, remember what that was like when you first accepted, accepted Jesus? Whoa, I want everybody to know about it. This is amazing. And then three weeks later, because you started hanging around old Christians. Never mind. Uh, so I, uh, just, it's, it, it, it's amazing how it starts off with such a fire and a fury. And as we move on, as, as we do this for a minute, somehow it begins to lose its color. It loses its edge. It loses its detail. And it begins to get old. Here's, here's what I want to address in these, this week and next week. And I want to answer these questions. What are we saved from and what are we saved for? What is salvation? We throw the word around as if we understand it, but do we really? I, I, is it to escape the wrath of an angry God? Like he's getting ready to release lightning bolts and bust everything. And you better get salvation because it's your shield that's going to block God from just busting you. How many you know if God wanted to get you, he'd have got you? Okay, so, but, but, but isn't it to escape the wrath of an angry God? What about this? Is, is it to escape hell when I die? Is that why I want to get saved? I don't want to go to hell. I want to get saved. Is, is, that, is that the reason we get saved? Do we get saved so that we can become a good person? Well, they're just a good, they're just a good Christian. So you can check that box. We're going to talk about what is the purpose of salvation? 
What does it do? What, what should be the effect of it in my life? Today, I want to talk to you about that, that power and that, and that purpose. Because it's possible that it's grown old and it's even more possible, if I can be real honest with you, based on the culture we're living in today, that our understanding, especially Christians, believers, it's possible that our understanding is either incomplete or actually misguided about what salvation actually is. I want you to know the truth about salvation. Can we go there today? Can we begin to talk about this? I want you to experience it for yourself. So uh, Jenny was up here talking. and She stole my message talking about David. Oh, my God. She just goes right there. That's a, so part two, Jenny, uh, wherever you are, part two. I'm going to go ahead and pick it. So here, here y'all remember David? Little shepherd boy, right? We see him growing up and knocking giants down like, like Jenny talked about earlier. He, he does all that. Then he gets older, becomes king. And, and somewhere in that kingship, everything is going so good. Thought he had life just where he wanted it and thought, I probably don't need God now as much as I thought I did. Am I ever been there? Like when you were at the bottom, you needed Jesus. You talked to him, cried, talked to him all the time. All of a sudden, things got good, and we forget to talk to him. Anyway, okay, so you want to, I'll do it. I'll, I'll admit to it. And so David gets there, and the Bible says that all the army was off to battle one time, and David was stayed at the house. He should have been out there, but he stayed at the house. He goes to the edge of his house, looks over, sees Bathsheba taking a bath. Hey, girl, how you doing? And all of a sudden, they had some communication. He sent her a text message. She got back with him, and all of a sudden, we got a mess going on. Lust owned his world had an affair with her, murdered her husband. It's a mess. Now we got trouble in the place. And David raises his head and says, something's wrong. I feel empty and I feel lost. The presence of God has exited my life. Have you ever you ever done something you know you shouldn't have done? Would everyone please say amen or I'm going to come right there and sit in your lap and preach this message. We, we know we shouldn't do it. And we do it anyway. Because I want to. And after you do it, you wish you hadn't have done it. And hey, I got one amen. All right, I got one. Hey, I'm feeling you. And, and, and all of a sudden, I wish I hadn't done it because something shifted here. I feel nasty. I feel like scoops have been taken out of my soul. I, feel, I, I don't even like me right now. I just, I'm just disgusted with, ah, what was I thinking? And you can't even find rest from it. Nobody knows, but you do and he does. And you know something is off balance. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote after he jacked things up with Bathsheba. And here's what David wrote. God Give me again the joy that comes from your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I have gone sideways. I'm empty inside. He goes on to say, take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore me. Put me back together. I'm empty. Everything inside that meant something has exited, and I'm sitting here empty. I'm a shell inside. 
bring back the joy of my salvation. The word joy is interesting because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He said, I feel weak. Strength has left my life. Would you restore the strength that comes with knowing you and walking hand in hand with you? I need that place right there. Y'all know what it's like, right? When, when things were good between you and God, you just walk different. You just walk into place like expecting something amazing to happen, right? Like you, you can take everything on, right? You just know something. There's a confidence in your life that you don't get any other way when you know that you and God are on the same page. There's nothing like that in the world. David said, I lost it. I traded your presence for my passions, and I need to fix this thing. This gives us a picture as to what salvation can be. I want to take you on a little journey as to what salvation is. And to do this, I've got to take you back to Genesis chapter 1. Now, it's okay. I'm not going to preach every book of the Bible. So y'all can relax right now, all right? You, you, we'll get you out of here plenty of time. You can go to Cracker Barrel. It's going to be good. Thank you. And so it's, it's going to be fine. But, but, but I've got to start in Genesis chapter 1 to begin to show you the power and the purpose of salvation. Genesis 1, 26, 27. I believe this is 28 also. Here's what it says. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. So let's do this again. Ready? On the big bold alert. Would you all please help me? It's group participation. Ready? One, two, three. God said, let us make mankind and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea. Keep going. And the birds of the sky, over the livestock, and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in the image of God. He created them. Stop. Facebook can give 64 options, but there's male and female. Let me just, can I just put it out there? God's word does not leave any variance. That's, that's what the word says. God created them. Male and female, he created them. Keep going. God blessed them and said to them, be and in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Keep going. Over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Bam. Drop the mic. How you like me now? Can I remind you, this is the Garden of Eden where God's doing this. This is utopian, y'all. This is the place. This was God's original design for you and me to live in. It was sinless. Like nobody doing nothing wrong. Like no sin. That, 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 we can't even hardly wrap our head around that. Like, no taxes. Mm. No calories. Hey, that's called heaven to me right there. Thank you. No age. <laughs> Everyone's naked. It was a perfect life. That's exactly what God made. That's just how it was laid out. That's, that's, that's what, that, that's, I'm just telling you Bible, ladies and gentlemen. For all the kids in here, mom and dad, you explain later. That, that's just, that's how it goes. Life was perfect. Life was perfect. There, there's, there's two keys in the scriptures that we just read that shows us God's original plan for your life. Number one, you were created in his image. Number two, you were blessed with the authority to dominate in life. These two things 
or what God releases after he makes man in his image, then he gives them the authority, his shared authority. The authority comes from God to rule, to lead, to dominate in life, subdue this earth. Let's talk about the first one. Created to reflect God's image. Well, we kind of need to know what image means if we're going to understand what this means. So in order to figure out what image and the other word likeness is used, those two words in the original language in the Hebrew, they're, they're, they're so similar and so such the same. You've got to look at other verses throughout the Bible to kind of give a fuller picture as to what this could mean. And, and image and likeness, uh, it's, it's the same word used when they said they, they carved they, they made idols is this same word used when, when they made images, when they would carve an idol out of stone or out of wood. It was the same, the same word for image was used there, so to carve. And then it also means this, a shadow or an outline or a frame. Uh, I, I got news for TikTok. The silhouette challenge was God's idea. It wasn't theirs. But this, he wants to make a silhouette. He wants to make an outline of who he is, and you and I represent that. In, in other words, the image that we are to reflect is not, it's not a physical image, but it's a functional image. I, when you look at me, you're not looking at God in the sense of he looks like this. He would do a whole lot better job on himself than this right here, okay? It, you're not looking. It's not flesh and blood and features, but it is the function of God. It's the activity of God. I am made in the image of God's activity. I am to be a representative of God's activity, his actions. If God were here right now, he would do what I'm doing. I'm doing what he would do. That's exactly what it's meaning. I'm serving as God's representative at the place that I work. When I step into Disney World, the presence and the reflection of God just stepped into Disney. When you go to Walmart, because y'all know y'all go to Walmart. No, you know you go to Walmart because everything you need is at Walmart. No. Everything you need is at Walmart. Everything you need is at Walmart. If you need some shoes, go down Altu. Everything you need is at Walmart. Everything you need is at Walmart. You can't find Jesus. I'm just saying, but, but everything else you need is at Walmart. I am so sorry. I've got three conversations going on in my head at the same time. I am the functional representation, the outline of God's presence, his function in this earth. That's what he made me to be. I, I do things, watch this, according to his will. I do things according to his order. I do things according to his attitude, his perspective, his love, his forgiveness, his generosity, his blessing. I reflect him because I am made in the image, the functional representation of God. That's who I am. That's what I do. That's who he made me to be. In other words, we are to be duplicating heaven on earth. That's why when they ask Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus gives this prayer and then he says this, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's stating that I don't get my marching orders based on what culture thinks. 
I live my life based on a higher authority. Colossians says, setting my affection, my desires on things above, you work into my life, into this world. So we're, we're in this world, but not of this world in that. So, so can, we live our lives repping him. Can you imagine heaven in your home? God's order in your money? Oh, I just felt revival right there. Someone went, hey, man, right there, right? Can, can, you, can you imagine, can you imagine repping the love and the passion, the joy of Christ at work? You walk in, you would wreck that place tomorrow. You understand, but that's okay. Go wreck the place. Walk in there with smiles, with joy, with hope. Everyone else been watching the news. I've been reading God's word, and I'm walking here saying everything's going to be all right. It's going to be just fine because I'm living my life with a higher perspective. You and I are to be reflecting heaven, and that begins to produce in our world. You can have a, a dating relationship that's full of heaven. You can have a marriage that's full of heaven because I'm, I'm reflecting him. I'm just operating the way God's word says to do it, and I'm on full motion just repping him in government, in my world, at school. Wherever I am, that's who I am. I'm repping him. God's on, on blast in my, in my environment. Years ago, there was a novel written about a man named Victor Frankenstein. Frankenstein, Sting. He was a scientist, and he, uh, I, 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 are, there any, are there any people that like watching scary movies? Any, any scary movie people? Okay, I can't hang with y'all. That's okay. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Well, when I was growing up, the big one, when I was growing up, how many of y'all remember Frankenstein? Anybody remember Frankenstein? How many, uh, hands down, how many of you don't have a clue who Frankenstein is? All right, good. Okay, a few, a few of you. So, so, so watch this. There's a novel written about a guy named Victor Frankenstein who, who he went and he decided he wants to take something that was dead and bring it back to life. So he gathers all kinds of different body parts here and there from wherever he could get it. He goes back to his lab. He starts to stitch it all together. He puts bolts in his neck. And right, he's got all this thing going on. He wanted to give life to something dead. And so, so all of a sudden his creation, watch this, it comes to life. It comes to life. He had, a, he, had a, he had a purpose for this creation. He thought it was going to be amazing and do some amazing things. But, but when this thing came to life, Dr. Frankenstein didn't realize that his creation would become a monster. And all of a sudden now we have a problem on our hands. Because now no longer is the focus on Dr. Frankenstein and his amazing creation but the creation so rebels against the wishes of his creator that now we just call the monster Frankenstein and forget there was a scientist named Frankenstein. The, the, the Frankenstein, the monster, was nothing. He was created. He was given life. Then he turned on his creator and he made his creator a victim of his own creation because the monster stole the life that Dr. Frankenstein gave him so that the monster could live by his own purpose instead of what his creator wanted him to live by. I don't want to live as a monster in God's economy. I was absolutely nothing. I didn't exist. God decided that there would be a Brian Scott Thomas, that he would birth into the, this earth September the 23rd, 1967. He did that. 
But when he gave me life, the last thing I want to do is rebel against my creator and make my creator a victim of my life because I'm stealing his purpose away and I will do me instead of him. This is the picture that in our culture today, every man, woman, boy, and girl that we see, they were created with God's plan, God's design, fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God did. But if we're not living according to God's purposes and plans for our life, we actually live in monstrous kind of ways. God says, I want my image on your life, not your image, my image. Today, our culture is obsessed with creating an image for himself, an image on Instagram, an image on social media. How do I look here? Making sure everyone knows me in this way. Just make your name famous. Make sure they know your name. We hear all this about me, 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 I, 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 instead of him, him, him. Him. It's a culture war. Number one, he, salvation in those days, it was in the beginning created, created to reflect the image of God. Number two then, God said, I want you not to dominate in life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create you so you'll reflect me in this world so that there's order and there's joy and there's generosity and love and healing. That's going to be amazing. But then once you do that, I'm going to also then release an authority to dominate in life. I want you to live large. I want you to live in charge. But notice something. God doesn't say, I want you to dominate people. In that scripture that we read, they were to dominate the, the territory, the domain of where they were, including the animals, including all the fish, the bird, all of that. You see, when God created the animals, he did not make the animals in his image. He only made you and I in his image. There is a distinction that raises you and I above all of creation that he designed with you and I in. So we step in to rule and reign, and he gives us authority to walk in dominion in our domain. But here's what I found out. When I stop reflecting his image, I start trying to dominate people instead of everything he put in my care. We have to get under what God put over us so that we can get over what God put under us. I'll say it again. We have to come under what God put over us, his plan, his word, his will, so that we can be over everything God placed under us to walk in authority and dominion. Does this make sense to anybody? This is how we have to live our life. We're not here to dominate people. We're here to dominate our domain. So your business should be increasing. Your talents and abilities exploding. Opportunities and favor. Your dreams should be coming alive. I've got good news for everybody in this room today. Everybody, and even you watching online. Your desire for more is a God-given desire to lead and rule and grow and increase. God put that inside of you. Never apologize for expecting more, reaching for more, Driving for more aspirations, hungry to grow. That's what God put in you. You're just like your daddy. Your father wants more out of you and me. You and I should want more out of our life. That's how he made us to continue to upgrade our lives. But the way that we do it is critical. That's why he's worth you. That's why he's celebrating with you. That's why he empowers you. That's why he tells us in Deuteronomy, you're the head and not the tail. Someone said, well, thank God because I've been the tail for a long time. Well, he says it's going to change. You're the head and not the tail. You shall lend 
and not borrow. He's showing us perspective as to what a life of dominion looks like. He says that you be, be, be strong, be of good courage, because I'm with you wherever you go. That as you step in the new territory, I'm going to be by your side, and whatever tries to shut you down will move through it. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, it will be condemned. He said a thousand will fall by your side and ten thousand by your right hand. It will not come nigh you. In other words, God wants you to live large and dominate in life. Have victory after victory after victory. This is his plan for your world. But God's order in creation, don't miss this because this is, this is key. His order in creation shows us how we are to dominate in life. It's called the law of first mention. Whatever's mentioned first takes precedent. Everything that follows is in succession. So in other words, watch this. I made you in my image. And I gave you authority to dominate. As long as you reflect my image, you then have my authority to dominate. If you stop reflecting me, Scott, then you do not have my authority to dominate. Because if I gave you my authority to dominate while you're not serving me, you will wreck yourself. So how do we upgrade our life and advance it and begin to bust through barriers and do things we've never experienced? My goal is not dominion. My goal is reflection. I have to live in the image of God. I want to reflect him in my private life, in my public life, with my wife, with our kids, at work, on vacation, wherever I am, I am the walking reflection of God. And I'm to be living by his word, his order, his mandate. And when I begin to produce what he would produce, I become the outline, the silhouette. I become the, that picture of the functioning aspect of God that impacts humanity. And God says, when I find a man and woman who will function that way, I'm releasing authority now for you to dominate and grow and increase in life. When you do things my way, you get my results. But then there's this couple in the Bible called Adam and Eve. Anybody besides me, when we get to heaven, you want to kick them in the shin? Like, you know, what the? I used to want to do that until I realized, had they not blown it, it would have been me. I probably would have blown it myself. Would you turn to three folk and tell them he's talking to you right now, boo? He is talking to you right now. You know you would have jacked this thing up for everybody. You would have jacked it up for everybody. Adam and he blew it. How did they blow it? Look what happened. Look, look, look what the Bible says. A serpent comes in and gives Eve a different picture, a different image that she could become. Oh, you could become like God yourself. Oh, shucks. So no longer do I have to live in his image. I can get my own image. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says she said yes. She chose her image over his image. Oh, and, and, and Adam is right there with her. They chose their own image, and the moment they chose their own image, watch this, the domain that they were in, Eden, they were evicted. They lost their authority to dominate. The moment they dropped the image, dominion was gone. This is a real picture as to where you and I are. And Adam and he blew it. And from that point on, 
sin begin to roll. Now you've got humanity that's making man in his own image. I don't have time to take you there and read it for you right now, but, but, but Genesis chapter 5 gives a different story. It says when Adam was 130 years old, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. You see, Adam was made in God's image and in God's likeness, but Adam was having kids in his own image and his own likeness. What's the difference? God made Adam without sin. Adam blew it, and now he's making kids in sin. He's making kids with that nature that's fully alive. That's why no longer was Adam's kids made in God's image it's now made in Adam's image and we've got a massive chasm we've got a dichotomy that is a mess God had an original plan for us to be image bearers and walk in dominion Adam blew it and now he's producing a whole lineage a a generation of those who are pushed from God going after their own image walking in no dominion and if I can't dominate in my domain I'm going to try to dominate you I'll fight you for what you've got I will struggle for you I want you to like me I want you to worship me. I want you to accept me. I'm coming after you. I'm people hungry. You, I need people to like. I need the attention of people and that's now what our culture is absorbed in. We traded dominion for slavery. In the Hebrew perspective as to what this passage is written from, I stopped being human Whenever I stop reflecting God's will and God's ways. In other words, when I step from God, I'm no longer even having a human experience anymore. I'm living subhuman. This is not God's plan. He had something bigger, something better, something stronger, something, oh my goodness. And I traded it for something so much less, so much so that God says, no, if you're going to do that, I'm not even going to call that human. I love you, but that's not what my plan was. That would really be a sad state of affairs if it all ended there. If we were living like a Bentley, like a Bentley with a dead battery, luxury design but going nowhere in life. If we were existing but not functioning, God made us a verb, but we turned ourselves into nouns. So I'm going nowhere. I'm just sitting idle and then just complaining because life isn't working for me. And he said, when you stopped reflecting, you stopped dominating. If you'll start reflecting, I'll release the authority on your life. And so something had to happen to bring a restoration back together. So God had a plan because he refused to leave man a victim. I'm finishing with this. He said, I'm going to provide a way for man to live in God's original purpose and God's original power. So 2,000 years ago, he sent his son Jesus to this earth. And Jesus walked this earth for 33 and a half years and he went to the cross for sins that you and I committed. The Bible says for sins past, present, and future. He died for all of them. The sins of humanity were on him. They put him in a grave. Three days later comes back with resurrection power and then turns around and says, now I hit the reset button. You can turn this around. And when I say turn it around, I mean going back to God's original plan. Adam and Eve blew it and the generations after have just been propagating this mess and has been living in chaos and disorder and you're living in slavery 
slavery instead of dominion. I've got a higher purpose and a higher plan for your life. Let me take you back to an Eden experience. Let me take you back to my original intent. My original intent is still my original plan for your life. You can live reflecting me and walk in dominion every day of your life. You don't have to live down to life. You can live up to life. And so he had to send Jesus to reverse what Adam did. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. In other words, Adam in Genesis that, that was made that blew it, that was the first Adam. Jesus says, I'm going to be the second Adam. Why an Adam? Why is he called Adam? Because it's a brand new start. Just as if God is starting in the beginning, he's starting everything all over again. It's time for something new in your life. But this second Adam is not going to blow it like the first Adam did. This second Adam is going to show you who you can be. This second Adam is going to love the hell right out of your life. This second Adam is going to wipe your sin away and give you a brand new start. This second Adam is going to hit the reset button for you and you can live up to every plan God had for your life. So when we accept Jesus as our Savior, when you say yes and you walk in salvation, he starts restoring God's image on us. We're getting it back. I'm getting me off of me. I'm getting him on my life. And then he restart, starts restoring God's authority in my life. Now, I'm the head and not the tail. How you like me now? Things begin to change. Attitude begins to change. This is why Luke 19, 10. I'm finished. I'm finished. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save that, not those, that which was lost. What did he come to seek and save? He came to seek humanity, but to save the reflection of your creator on your life. He came to seek you and seek me, but to save our position with him and save our dominion so we can still walk in authority in life. Jesus died for you and I to live in all this. That's why, someone shout, that's why he died. That's why he died. That's why he died. God's image and God's domain for you. So you don't live enslaved in your mind to anybody or anything. I'm living by his will, by his order, by his plan. And when I keep reflecting him in my family, in my workplace, on the ball court, on vacation, dating relationship, marriage with my kids, everywhere I go, I'm reflecting him. He says, now I'm releasing order and I'm releasing dominion in your life. And here comes an authority to dominate in life. You're going to rise above it. You're not going to be able to explain it. They could call it, well, man, you're so lucky. Call whatever you want to. I'm just, I'm walking in the dominion of God. God's released an authority on my life and I'm loving life right now. I want you to stand to your feet if you would, please. I want to give you this little advertisement for next Sunday because I'm going to finish this message next Sunday. Next week, I want to show you why sin is not your real problem. We'll get into that. You need to know what the Bible says, not what church has told you. Church will screw you up. Church will jack you up and have you chasing symptoms as opposed to dealing with the issues. Sin is not your problem. We'll talk about that. 
And how do you start? How? Show me how to start living in purpose and power. How do I do this? We're going to deal with this next week. We're going to begin to, there's going to to be some sacred cows over in the corner going, as we're just kind of killing them. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. No, I got four areas. We're just going to go just, just take their heads right off. Hamburgers for everybody. It's going to be great. I don't know that we've ever had a more crucial time in our world than today for you and I to get our theology right about God. You need to know what God's word says. For years, the church has said amen and sung songs about concepts we don't even fully understand. And it's time for us to put a depth and a foundation that when I begin to feel something crazy, the foundation is holding me because I know something bigger than my feelings and they'll carry me through. And we're going to deal with that next week. Oh, I can't wait. If you'll hang around me for the next seven hours, we'll do it right now. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. I want to ask you to bow your heads in the room so we can pray today. And the reason I'm doing this is I can't finish a message like this and not give you the opportunity to get it right with him. Maybe today you say, Scott, I need to walk in this salvation. I need this massive reset. I, I need a right relationship with God in my life. Today, I want to I make a step towards him, a hard step, a committed step. If you're in this room and you're saying, Scott, I, I want to ask him to forgive me for my sin. I'm not saying I'm going to live perfect. I'm not, I'm not a rock star. I'm, I'm going to go through my stuff, but I'm coming after him. I'm not just going to pray a prayer, but I'm going to mean this from my heart today. I'm going to feel this. If you're saying that's you and you want to pray this prayer and get it right, would you just kind of throw one hand up in the air at me? Just kind of wave at me. Just kind of let me know who I'm praying with and for. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all through the balcony. Love this over the side. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Love this. Love this. Yes, I got it. I get it. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Many of you watching online, you can raise your hand right there where you are also. I know. We're going to get it right today. I just want you to pray a simple prayer with me. But if you mean it from your heart, not just say it out of your head, but Lord, I'm coming after you with the best I've got. If you'll pray from your heart, everything changes. Everyone just say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Forgive me. Rework me. Hit the reset button in my life. I want your way, your will working in me. I want to live in your power, your authority in my life. Help me to live a life that will please you. Take all of me. I take all of you. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm rescued. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. That's a great prayer right there, ladies and gentlemen.